so interestingly enough, before we started recording, something came up that I find a very fascinating topic of characters within our favorite stories, comics, TV shows, and whatnot. Even wrestling, right? Which yeah. is yep. getting older, aging out of the art. Yeah. And, you know, obviously everyone wants to go out on their own terms. I think Phil Collins played right up until he was in his 70s or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, you still have uh, people, like, I don't know if Kiss is still touring or yeah, they're still Gene doing Simmons and, and those Simmons guys, and that. they're still pushing it, right? Mm-hmm. So you can mm-hmm. still kind of age Rolling with Grace Stones. and Rolling yeah. Stones still killing it. So my question to you is, out of all the depictions of our mm-hmm. favorite comic book characters and storyline, like mine would be The Undertaker. The Undertaker's oh, aging the way they kind of aged him into legendhood, into myth. Yeah. He started yeah. almost as a myth and as right. a kind of a, kind of a mythical personality. And then right. he ended in almost like a mythical way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think my favorite portrayal of a character getting um, aging to the point where they're no longer what they were but you still see vestiges of their um, past selves in them. Mm-hmm. And this is probably going to be predictable. I love to see uh, the stories about Thor when he is the old god. Mm. Because the thing about immortals, quote-unquote immortals, is that in these universes, nobody's really immortal. You're just long-lived. Your lifespan is a little longer than the rest of these other species. They all meet their end. If, it, if it's a thousand years. 20,000 years, a million years. Eventually, they all meet their end. And it's always been interesting to me to see uh, certain beings that have a different frame of reference for time mm. because they live so long. So the time they may have, he may have spent with a particular group of warriors, he probably doesn't even remember them because for him... That was like five minutes, even though it was 50 years. Right. And for them, for that, for those species who fought alongside this godlike entity, they're like, I spent 50 years with the god. Right. You know, and he's (laughs) like, but you're, you're the type of species that can't perceive time and age in the way that I do. So for me, you, it would be like me fighting alongside my favorite animals. Yeah. How you know, right. like what I mean, right. I'm sure I'd be able to tell them apart, but it would take some some effort. Yeah, yeah. After a few years, because I, I give a classic example of it. You know, a mosquito's lifespan is very short, very short. So imagine if mosquitoes were sentient and one forged a relationship with you, and y'all had an epic battle or a situation that happened, and both of y'all made it out, but. For that mosquito, it was like, what, a week? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's life. You, on the other hand, had the potential to live up past 90. So for you, that little, that little incident, by the time, if that happened when you were 20, by the time you're 60 or 70, you probably won't even remember that shit. You know, it's not- I would even say by the time you're 30, you yeah. remember yeah. it. I have yeah. trouble now, and it's been 20 years since mm-hmm. I've been in the military, okay? Right. It's, you know, I mean, I got out less than 20 years ago, but I went in 20 years ago. Right, right. And 
it's it's interesting to think back about how little I can remember about that time. Wow. And I do wow. remember a lot, right? Like we right. all remember a lot if we really force ourselves. But I remember one time I was on a live stream and I was trying to think of the earliest memory I ever had. And mm-hmm. I couldn't. It was weird. It was like I keep trying to go back. You mean the earliest, earliest memory? Because yes. I don't remember mine. I you do? Mm-hmm. I woke up in the crib aware it's like it felt like at one moment i you know there was nothing and then i remember waking up in the crib aware that i'm a thing interesting and and it's so funny because there's a memory that a repressed memory that i had um that my mom told me when i told her about this thing i keep seeing myself butting my head against the crib um uh, the little, you know, rails against the crib. She said, you used to do that all the time. You used to get on all fours and rock, hit your head into the thing. See, we all knew you were hard-headed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's my ever, earliest memory, bro. So if you ever see a baby just hitting his head against the wall, just leave it be. <laughs> leave, it it like tombstone. leave it alone. <laughs> leave it alone. Yeah. Nothing wrong. Nothing to see there. But, um, yeah, that's my earliest memory. I don't... I think the earliest memory I can think of is cutting my foot when I was like five years old or six years old. Um, wow. Yeah. I was, I was, Traumatic. I was living in South central LA at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I was out front back when people had yards, front yards <laughs> and uh, fucking, I think I stepped on some glass or something like oh, that. Oh man. And it was traumatic. Now yeah. that's a good question. Yeah. So what do you think is probably uh, the trigger that's easiest to remember an event back then, a traumatic event or an extremely joyous event? Well, for me, because there was more traumatic events than joyous events, I'm going to say traumatic. However, right. for most people, I'm going to assume that it was more joyous events. You know, the earliest mm-hmm. memory you have with your mother or your father, or the earliest memory you have with your right. siblings doing something of note. Um, I think those memories are profound it's yeah. just that the traumatic memories tend to um, to use nature to teach you in ways that make you more accountable and make you more mm. aware as to like what you're doing. Because until you burn your hand, you don't think anything's hot. Until you I... step off of something and trip, you don't think you can fall. And so there's all these first times of being reminded that nature can point. and will hurt you. That's a good point. It's a great point. And, uh, I'm, so I'm guessing when it comes to these um, these heroes, because I often wonder about um, some of these characters. So when they have the experience of a tragedy, a, a defining tragedy in their lives, and that defining tragedy is what causes them to go on this journey, the journey of the hero. Mm-hmm. But when they get older, does that thing still motivate them the same way? Because it would... I know there's been things that, that has happened to me that caused me to react to certain situations a certain way for years mm. after that event. And then there's, there's a certain, at a certain point in time where I have gotten so many years past that event, it no longer, mo- it no longer motivates me in the way that it did before. So I'm wondering, like, these these characters that have that defining moment where a family member gets killed or mm. 
something ha something of that nature happens, which puts them on that path to the journey of the hero. By the time they are elderly and had so many battles and so many chances to uh, relive situations that they wish they could have done better with the, their loved one, but they're trying to re, you know, uh, do that again right for other people trying to right those wrongs trying to right those wrongs do they still do they still feel that wow or are they just tired is is it is it the initial incident that keeps them going or is it because they've done it so long there's been other things that have uh, replaced that and and that's a good point and there also may be the hubris of youth the arrogance of youth that will maybe over inflate the importance of certain issues right that not be as important when you get older you're like oh yeah that girl rejected me in high school well girls reject guys you know like it happens. but in high school you don't know like you right. there's no so then you spend your whole life trying to undo the the one girl that got away and then by the right. time you're 60 you're like but Girls reject guys. Why did I spend my whole time? Right. Why did I stay on that so long? Right. Yeah, you know, right. there, there's a there's a um a, a weight that youth will give uh, incidents that I feel like the older mind, the more developed mind, won't give it. They won't they won't assign that amount of weight and and responsibility or or uh, impact to that event that you know a, a 15 or a 20 year old would or a 25 year old. Right. Uh, because there's just so much life experience to lean on. And what motivated you prior may not be what motivates you now at this moment in time. I mean, I made music for a long time um, out of uh, a need to emotionally vent, right? Mm -hmm. Like, And then mm -hmm. I changed in, in the middle of that. It was like, oh, wait a minute, I could teach through this? I can right, make information right. that people aren't familiar with and I can put it in this music and they can become informed. Oh, wow. That's, and now I'm no longer writing music to get back at somebody or, to, right, you know, right, it's like, right. I'm not using my, my music as a weapon anymore. And maybe characters like a, a Batman or a Superman or whoever, you know, has dealt with this, a, a tragedy, whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, you know, even older Thor, right. Who yeah. dealt with tragedy himself. Like, by the time they get to certain points in their journey where they've addressed the death of their parents or they've addressed the loss of their father or the loss of their home. Right. Where does that motivation come from? Right. When because you're, I mean, when you're standing on like the, 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 the backs of all of your enemies, you got the Rose <laughs> gallery, you know, Batman's got his, all of his statues. He's got his trophies. Like what yeah. else do you really have? You're going to take down the, the next local mob boss, like leave that to the bat network, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that often you often wonder about because um, these situations <laughs> that they find themselves in, these are life-threatening. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of work to actually go into the situation and come out alive. There's a lot of stuff there that yeah. I feel that when you get older, like, with me now, the things that I used to be so hyped up about before to do, I'm not now. Not. I've seen it over and over, over and over. It's not exciting. It's predictable. I see it coming. Right. Um, now, the, 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 the difference with them may be their lives at stake. And regardless of anything, uh, much like the way Spider-Man said um, in, in the uh, Civil War movie, when you can do the things that I can do and you don't, 
and then bad things happen, they happen because of you. Mm. That guilt refreshes itself. It, so it's no, it, it would no longer be about um, the initial trauma that made you don the tights in the first place. Right. Now it's about every situation that you saw that you could have stopped. And you didn't. And you didn't. And somebody died. You know. Yeah. You own a piece of that. You own a piece of it. Mm. You know. Let me uh, change gears real quick. Uh, I mm. do want to come back to that as, as we uh, close this. But uh, something happened since the last time that I talked to you that was pretty interesting. And I know you have a personal uh interest in this but uh mm-hmm. your boy and i mean your <laughs> boy with the uppercut herd round the, the universe bro <laughs> first of all okay he is entering the class of now being a generational boxer yeah right like he's already in the class now <clears throat> like he's shown a skill set of 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 being essentially a generational fighter, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I know that you have a a, a a personal relationship with some of his people. You you guys yep. grew up around the same people and all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to to give you a, a quick minute to really reflect on that. Seeing a, a kid who, yeah. you know, comes from where you come from on that stage like that, that you know, you know, all y'all families are the same people. Yeah, you know, yeah. so um, it's um. It's kind of crazy because, you know, I the first What's his time, name again? I'm sorry, I always his Javante, name. Javante Davis. Javante Davis. There you go. Yeah, his nickname is Tank. Yeah. Um, it's funny because when I first met Tank, he's a little boy, and his coach was my uh, manager at a place I worked, mm. and um, he was very quiet. You know, uh, some of my coworkers that I'm still cool with now, we, we're still like family now. Um, we would, you know, tease him about him boxing. You gotta get your little ass knocked out. All this other shit, you know. <laughs> he would smile, grin, not say much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the first time I, I got to see him box, um, I knew uh, Calvin, his, his coach, that basically raised him. I was like, you got something. You got something. Because I watched probably six fights on that card when Calvin did his, his first promotional um, fight. He did it against a gym in Philly. And they had the event in Baltimore under his uh, Rise Productions um, thing. And when I watched him box, I said, yeah, you got something right there. Everything from the way he moves, um, his ability to take punishment like, eat it. Like, it's nothing. It's nothing, you know? And then dish a punch that, for all intents and purposes, reminds me so much of uh, the old wrestler, uh, Ronnie Garvin, Hands of Stone. <laughs> 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 like, so when I saw him, you know, that, that fight was an important fight mm. because um, when, I was, when I was talking to his, his, uh, his coach, before that fight was even booked, um, I met with his coach at the at the gym in Baltimore, and the one issue that had happened because of the pandemic was how are they going to have events? That's literally the bread and butter of what they. How are you going to have events? Right, because he was a real community dude, right? He yes. would go to Baltimore. He would like bring out the whole city 
Mm-hmm. Like, and, and people would really, that's one of their city favorites. Like, that's yeah. one of their city yeah. heroes is Javon. Dude, they gave him a day. They gave him a day. He came back, parades, all of that. Heroes welcome. Heroes welcome. The mayor, all, all of that, all of that. And um, they had to figure that out. And then one day, you know, I, 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 called, um, I called Calvin, and he was on his way to Philly to meet with the money team. But he wouldn't tell me what they were going to meet about. I said, you up to something. You up to something. And that's what they were up to. They, they, was, they was figuring out how to do these events because there still was a filling out period with the virus. And, you know, like I said, to, to see him be as successful as he is, Javante deserves that shit for all the work he put in. But more importantly to me, my personal connection to him is through his coach. His coach deserved that. Good, solid man. Good solid man, like like raising boys from the hood. Raising boys from the hood. I, I hate that those dudes never get the props and the respect. They never get, get right, right. It's like Javante is one of maybe a hundred boys he didn't save. Mm, you know, that dude deserves the hero's welcome. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. It, it was dope. I called him um, after the fight. Of course, he was busy. Yeah. So I wound up texting him a congratulations. He said he was gonna holler at me when he get back to, get back to Baltimore. And um, next, I saw on uh, on his Instagram, they were in the club <laughs> with all these rappers. Right, right. <laughs> it was doing their thing, you That's know, funny. doing their thing. Well, so um, let me shift it back to um, to to geek and comic book stuff for a second. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because um, you know, I've been reading. Uh, I've been trying to read. I don't know if I like it or not. Uh, mm-hmm. This Dark Knight's Metal. I feel like... Trying to get into it. Yeah, and I feel like mm-hmm. if I was reading it when it first came out, I'd probably be more into it now than trying to play right. catch and everything. Right. But what are you reading right now? Right now, the la- the, the exact last title I read uh, was right before we did this, uh, started doing the show. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for my phone to judge. Um, the Century and Hulk. And basically what it is, is they're filling in the gaps of, you know, with, with the century, he's allegedly some hero that the world forgot about. He made the world forget about. They didn't even realize, uh, remember his presence. But in the time when he was active, he was the most famous hero on the planet. And Hulk was his sidekick. What? So, yes. So, so this story... Uh, bridges the gap of knowledge in between that of how their relationship came about and how they the the, the battles they fought against and what eventually caused them to um kind of go their separate ways. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading that fairly interesting, but it does read more like uh, a history book more than a story with a lot of dialogue, you know that sort of thing. Yeah. Like it's recounting something. And then the other one that I'm into is a Strange Academy. Ooh. Yeah, so basically, you know, DC has always done a better job, in my opinion, of the magic realm in their universe. Totally agree. They had solid rules. There was lore. You could you could literally, even with all the changes... And the new 52s and all that other stuff, you could literally go into there. And if you're consistent and you read the right books, you figure out how magic works 
where it comes from, who can do what, all of that. Hey, I got a, I got a question for you. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm gonna interrupt. Constantine, John Constantine versus the Scarlet Witch. I'm giving it to John. Um, yeah, I, I'd probably I'm give it to John, John too. Although I, I, I mean, this is not without serious consideration for Scarlet Witch. She's extremely no, yeah, powerful. She's extremely powerful. I think the reason I'm giving it to John is not because of the power level. It's because of how he uses what he has mm. and the type of people he's gone up against. Look, Scarlet, Scarlet Witch has gone against some, some heavy hitters, but nothing in comparison to what Constantine has had to face. I mean, you got a guy <laughs> making deals with demons Devil. and, and Devil and yeah. come he on, threatened, like, threatened God. He literally right. threatened the presence, and the presence was like, "Yeah, all right, man, cool." I'll, I'll back down for a second. It's like, he, you know, he's the one guy who could probably threaten to unmake existence, and you'd think that you wouldn't want to call his bluff. You wouldn't want to call his bluff. Yeah. And I think, I think, what most of us know Scarlet Witch for is the No More Mutants thing, and that to me was the greatest expression of her power. And when she did that. She was feverish. It's not like it was something she could just pull out at any time and go, no more mutants, no more Justice League, no more X-Men. No. Interesting. She, can't just, she can't just pull that out. That was that was a, a, a one-off to show her her potential as a reality warper. And to, since to, to then, put her over to it. really just to put, put her over. over okay. She's never done it again. Um, mm. but she does have some 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 cool feats, but I think Constantine consistently goes up against heavy hitters, like the type of people that could one-shot every superhero group on the planet if they wanted to, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And survive and even squeak out a win, you know? So I'm giving it to him just for being um, inventive, crafty as hell. And he doesn't have the restrictions on his behavior that she does. That she would have, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the um, Strange Academy book is basically them, Marvel taking the opportunity to create some rules. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's got to be some rules in this shit. Yeah. So it's, you can't just be popping off spells. You can't just be saying uh, a, a word uh, 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 a certain type of way and then this, this thing manifests, this effect manifests. Nah, nah, nah. There, there needs to be rules, and they've established them. They're, just, they're establishing it with this series by having a bunch of kids go to this school. These kids are of various different backgrounds and species. You got two Asgardian brothers mm. that are in the school. You have a frost giant that was sponsored by Loki. Okay. Kid that goes to the school. You have um, um, uh, fairies from from other world goes to that school to learn magic and to be taught by some of the greatest magic wielders in the MCU. Everybody from Doctor Strange himself to Brother Voodoo mm. to uh, uh, um, uh, what's the face's sister? Um, Colossus's sister. Um, Ileana. All of them are in there teaching them these different magic things and in the process of the story you see them building the rules. Is she a mutant, Colossus' sister? She is a mutant, technically, but she spent time in, in hell. A lot of time in hell. Oh, shit. And, yeah, she acquired 
uh, proclivity towards magic. She's actually fairly powerful with it too. Um, mm. I wouldn't put her on the same level as a Doctor Strange, of course, but when there are big magical things happening in the Marvel Universe, she's one of the people they call to consult about that shit. I see. Yeah. You know, the thing, like you said, DC has always done magic better. Uh, yeah. Just their explanation of it, their establishment of the rules and everything. Mm -hmm. And I, I tend to agree with that. I mean, some of my favorite magic characters are like Dr. Fate, Zatanna. Mm -hmm. Especially, um, oh, I love I love Zatanna. Yeah, I mean, obviously. He is so underrated. Constantine, who <laughs> yeah. is, is, you know, one of those, um, you know, uh, the nightmare nurse. I don't know if you heard about yeah. that. Yep, yep, yep. So, yep. Yep. Uh, there's a there's a there's a couple of ma magicians and oh Etri uh, with Etrigan, Etrigan the demon, yeah, he's dope, yeah. Like so, I, there's yeah. a there's a bunch of people that I fuck with, in that that are real hardcore magic users and stuff. And the thing about magic in the DC universe is it really brings a an actual weakness to people like Superman. Right. He has always been weak against magic. Right. So like, yeah, he's a great and powerful hero, but he does have weaknesses and flaws. And I feel like a lot of the that hasn't been established in the Marvel side of things. For me, no, it hasn't. at least it I hasn't. didn't read stories that established that. Like I I cannot think of a single um person in the Marvel universe that has a specific resistant like um resistance to magic or a weakness to it. Like with Superman, basically the way they describe his uh his his weakness to it is he's not necessarily weak, but he has no special resistance. So take uh, a character like um uh, that that may have a magic wielding weapon, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, the same way that weapon would affect anybody else, it's going to affect him. So he's going to feel the 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 pain when he gets struck by. It. Um, if somebody wields uh, lightning, but it's Eldridge lightning, he's going to feel that. Natural lightning? No. That shit will just right. bounce off. Eldridge lightning? He's going to feel that. Now, Damn. of course, that also depends on which version of Superman you're talking about, because clearly, the new 52 Superman, if the lightning blast is big enough, a big enough output of energy, I have seen him, him and Wonder Woman, go down from somebody wielding lightning to that degree. Really? And, yeah, and they, they was feeling it. <laughs> they was feeling it. But that's the new 52 Superman. Um, as you uh, said previously, um, Superman is, all intents and purposes, he has every power that he needs at any moment that he needs it. He's literally Santa Claus over there. He's, he's literally, <laughs> like, like any, the things I've seen him do, after I, I watch that or read that, and then I see him get lowballed by somebody. That's where I always go. Let's see. This is the problem with having this sliding scale of power mm -hmm. with but, him. When you can <laughs> dial it up. Like, but to be fair, <clears throat> we've never seen Superman ever like fight an angel, have we? Yes, we have. Yes, uh, there was a time when um, was that the fourth host, uh, and I, I forget the name of the um, the the actual angel that he fought but he was part of the bull host of heaven. And they came to Metropolis. And because heaven in the Marvel Universe is just another dimension, but it's a dimension that's so dense. And it's just so much more 
when it came into uh, the uh, Earth, DC Earth environment and the atmosphere, to even touch these things is to burn. And Superman was actually in a hammerlock position with the leader of the bull host. And this was not even um, classic Superman. This was, at one point, they... Um, You're so good with your knowledge. I pull up the <laughs> article. It's like, wait, did Superman just freaking wrestle an angel? <laughs> Superman's you... Jacob. He's Jacob. He wrestled an angel. <laughs> Are you kidding me, dog? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. He wrestled him. And, and he, he kind of held, he held his own for, for a good minute. Like, I, I didn't see where he got uh, slam dunked. Well, he was nerfed. And again, look at how Superman looks in that picture. He doesn't look like classic Superman, does he? Mm -mm. Right. That's because that was around the time when they had him having electrical powers or some shit. Yeah. And, uh, he's like blue and white. And yep. Like blue and white. Yep. Weird yep. looking. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Big ass on his chest, though. This is nuts. Oh, yeah. He still soups. Still soups. <laughs> he still soups. Wow. But yeah, dude. Like, that, that's a, actually a pretty good story. That is the, uh, the story that introduced. I forget the angel's name, but for a little while there was an angel that was on the Justice League. That story introduced that origin of that alien. Damn. Yeah. This is pretty crazy. I might read this story. I would. It's dope. Because um, anytime, you know, I'm really into the the angels and yep. the the heaven and hell and dream and, and nightmare Absolutely. aspect of the DC universe. And mm -hmm. to me, it's like nothing else really matters. But if Superman has a, if he's on record for being able to fight an angel of the presence or of the host, yeah. Yeah. it's like, listen, bro, that's a different level of power. It is. That's a different level of power. It is. Because <laughs> every one and of those angels way, is a cheat code. Every last one of them. And you know what? That particular one that he's fighting has had other adventures even in the realms of the books that you read. He's had experiences with Constantine. That particular angel has had experiences with Lucifer. That so that, particular so his angel, stories are written in the, li the Luci Lucian's library. Yeah, yeah. That angel right there, and I cannot remember his damn name, but that angel right there is, um, he's a heavy hitter. So has Soup's, has Soup's met the presence? Is that? Well, maybe. I haven't, I don't think, I, I don't remember ever reading a story where he has, but I would have to think, especially um, considering what they've been doing fairly recently, you know, with the anti-monitor and all of that, and his mother. Oh, um, uh, uh, what's her name? Perpetua? Perpetua. I would have to think that he, at some point, Superman in that story has. Have you heard of, I mean, you've heard of Perpetua, so you might have heard yes. of this character, Priyala? Yes. Yes. Bro. Yeah. The original darkness? Yep. Yep. Like, Insane. What? Okay, Insane. that's crazy. That's crazy. What a great character. Um, That, <laughs> I, I think I read that in like, uh, I don't know if it was Justice League Dark or it was like Multiversity or something like that, but it might have been Justice League. It could have been Multiversity. It could have been Multiversity. Uh, I don't know, but um, I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of those type of of high high level stories. Um, you know the the best one ever in my opinion with the presence because the presence is obviously the the quote unquote creator of the DC universe until you start right. getting into the higher ontological order of that. Right. And yet it is the specter 
is the agent of the presence that mm-hmm. operates in the lower realms of like the regular DC. Right. And then right. above that, you get just the whole host and angels and demons and Lucifer mm-hmm. and the dreaming and the endless and all that type of stuff. Right. And right. I just feel like they've been well and properly s- separated. You know, there's never been like a muddy area as to like, well, why is Superman fighting the devil right now? You know, like right. that would never happen. I mean, as powerful right. as Superman is, he's no match for Morning. He Star. is no match for Morning Star. Like, there's, there's no one on the Justice League. Even the angel that they had on Justice League is no match for Morning Star. Nah, there's dog. no match, man. There's no nah. match. I mean, he fought Michael again when I think if it was him or Michael was possessed by Fenris. The fucking mm. the wolf or whatever. The wolf from um um the Norse. Uh, yeah, uh, Loki's kid. Yeah, fucking mm-hmm. Loki uh did some shit and the and he possessed one of them and they fought and I think he killed Michael. Either he was possessed by Fenris or Michael was possessed by Fenris. Mm-hmm. It would change the dynamics if he was possessed by Fenris, but still, still pretty crazy. Um, yeah, Lucifer is an incredibly powerful character, but I, I don't think Superman. To, to, to argue like Superman would be, a, they would never be a thing like that. That's one thing I like about the DC ontological landscape. Yeah, they're, they, they literally show you, if you want power scaling, if that's something you're interested in, and you see Superman as the end all and be all, I invite you <laughs> to go up a little higher because he's not. And when you start dealing with people that can literally shape the fabric of reality, being super strong, super fast, heat vision, all that other stuff does not matter. No. It does not matter. You're literally a baby. Well, and there are other characters like um, in, in Elaine Bellick. Right? Yes. She's yes. the daughter. She's the niece of Lucifer and the daughter of Michael, the archangel, who led right. the fucking angel war in heaven against Lucifer, right? Right. This is the most powerful character, second most powerful character next to the second most powerful character next to the presence. <laughs> so it's like Elaine Bellick is probably beyond measure and compare in the way that oh, Lucifer yeah. created his own cosmos. Elaine Bellick could create her own multiverse. Oh, yeah. And Lucifer oh, yeah. could probably do the same thing. Lucifer has done some crazy ass shit. So this yeah. is where, to me, it's like you get into, and I don't know what this means for things like the anti-monitor and um, the Upside Down Man. Have you ever heard of The Upside Down Man? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And it, it's you get kind of curious about the standing. Like, we're, like some of these characters, and it's, it's, it's very similar in Marvel. Um, you start having uh, Lord Chaos, Lord, Lord Order, and the in-betweener, and all these people, and you're wondering to yourself, okay, so you're cosmic, but are you above the Celestials? Or are you in the same league as a Galactus? Or are you near where death is? You start asking these questions because they haven't really fleshed out the hierarchy, except for to say there is the oneness above all. Mm -hmm. And then all these other things come up under the living tribunal. And then all these other things, eternity and all that, they come underneath that. That's it. Once you then, start getting down to those other uh, characters that are also cosmic abstracts, there is no, no placement on who's higher than the other. You know what I've been interested in as well? That I, I, Look, I don't know anything about this character. You may know a lot more about this mm-hmm. character than I do. Um, and I'm sure this will probably take us to the end of our show. But 
the rock of eternity and Shazam and all of the stuff that goes with that. I'm starting to get pretty curious about that because there's um, the rock of eternity. There's the rock of finality. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious to know how those were used in story. Well, um, I have a very limited amount of knowledge on, on uh, Shazam and his backstory because right around the time when I stopped reading it, uh-huh. um, was that was before they had really introduced a lot of these other things to it. So the lore from what I um, remember was that Shazam the Wizard, um, he is like uber, uber powerful, <laughs> right? like uber powerful. And he is the, the one that gives uh, Captain Marvel his power, which is something else that kind of crossed my mind right there for a second. The fact that they literally went and changed Captain Marvel to Shazam because people could not separate the two and get, they could not understand the idea that when he's yelling Shazam, he's calling for the wizard to give him the power. Mm-hmm. He's not saying his own name, right. <laughs> but for the longest time, it, it was a, it was really hard for people to um to grasp that concept for whatever reason, and I they never, kept calling him Shazam. I'll tell you this: I never liked the name Shazam. I thought it's a, I think it's a dumb name. I mean, maybe it, it means it something or something like that. I don't it know about. But... I don't know if it means anything. I just know my my earliest memory of that was from Gomer Powell. Uh, the old black, is old black and white TV series, comedic uh, TV series, um, that that was themed around the the Marine Corps, and you had uh, Jim Neighbors mm-hmm. played this extra country, extra country bumpkin uh, Marine uh, uh, mm-hmm. recruit, Gomer Powell, and every time he would say something would shock him, something would be amazing to him, he would go Shazam. That no is my way. earliest. That is my earliest memory of that. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I don't know what that means. But I will say this, that the fact that that name, that word, is pop, is so saturated in pop culture just goes to show you that if you say something enough and these people hear something enough, it will become iconic to them simply because of how old it is. And they will not look into it any further to see, this doesn't even mean anything. Like, what, what, what the hell is this? They will not look into it. Hey, there's that funny-ass Pete Holmes Street Fighter uh, skit where he's talking to the Ryu, right? And he's mm-hmm. like, uh, um, what did you say when you say, when you throw your fireball? He's like, Hadouken. And he's like, okay, so what do you say when you, uh, when you do your <laughs> uppercut? And he's like, sure you can. And he's like, okay, so what's this hurricane kick thing? And he goes like, and he's like what was that and so he says it again he's like what is it so he doesn't know what he says he's like you don't know what you're saying he's like i know what i'm saying he's like you don't know what you're saying he's like for "For all we know you could be saying i hate the jews he was like but i don't hate the jews he's like i know (laughs) you know who go in that same category and he's one of my favorites for some reason i have a fascination with God's Thunder, right? Uh-huh. Raiden. When Raiden does that Superman tackle, what the hell is he saying? Oh, my goodness. He's saying, <laughs> I mean, my man could be saying, like, your mother's from L.A. He could be saying, like, 
I, it, it really could be. He could be saying, somebody give me my money! Or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know what he's saying, dude. But oh, Mortal yeah. Kombat always had those type of, like, really speedy, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Crazy, you know... That was one of those things Mortal Kombat was famous for. Oh, like, yeah. Like, just those crazy-ass sounds. Over here. Like, it was so exaggerated <laughs> over the top. Do you remember when you were at the first time you were made aware of the Mortal Kombat game? Ooh, yeah. I think I was going to arcades at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was going to... I was easily going to arcades at the time, and I was already... Had, I had already played Street Fighter. I'd already played games like um, um Final Samurai Fight. Showdown. I think Samurai uh, Showdown hadn't come out yet. No, it was out. It was was out. it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's part no. of my memory of it. No, for I sure. Would, I bet yeah, you would know yeah. more than I would because I mean <laughs> I wasn't hitting arcades like that, but I was hitting arcades. And mm-hmm. I do you remember Time Killers? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, so, dude. Yeah. Uh, my first time, the reason why I remember Samurai Showdown being around at that time. Is because that's what I had just got. I was over there playing that. Mm. And I heard something go, get over here. And when I, it distracted me and I lost. And I did not, you know, put another coin in there. I wondered, what the hell was that? And I go across the arcade and I, the dude's playing with Scorpion. And I see him hit the dude with the spear, drag him over there. The uppercut. And give him the bus driver. Yeah. Uppercut. Yeah. And then I see the blood go across the screen, and I was hooked. And remember, when he hit him with the uppercut, like, the screen, like, shakes. Oh, my. The crunch. Oh, man. The guy hits oh, the man. ground, and he there's, like, a thud and a, and it's just, like, <laughs> as a kid, everything is so exaggerated. That's why yes. I love wrestling, <laughs> because to me, it's professional horseplay. That's, that's exactly what the video what game is. was. You know, that's yes. exactly what this video game was. It was the yes. over-exaggerated imagination of kids' <laughs> horseplay. Last and it thing. was a phenomenon, man. It was oh, a phenomenon. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing before we go. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching WMSC Masters. Do you remember the show? Yes. Okay, I got to send you the link because I got like eight hours, nine hours of no. full episodes. Yeah, it's on YouTube, no. so anybody can find it. But it's literally... I got to send it to you. So yes, you do. as we get off of here, I just want to thank Tombstone for, for jumping on the podcast with me. Don't forget, you can check him out at Multi-World Entertainment on either Facebook or mm-hmm. um, the website, multiver- uh, multiworldentertainment.com. Mm-hmm. And then you can also check him out on Discord for everybody who has our Discord link and everything like that. We're going to get all out of here uh, for the Extra P and Entropy Majestic Musings podcast. My name is Graydon Square. And I am Tombstone the Dead Man. All right. We will see you guys later. Peace, peace. Peace.